Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to focus on planning for the future. And this is something that I think a lot of businesses don't do. And a lot of people don't do in general. I don't think Americans spend a lot of time thinking about retirement in the future. And I think in the pool industry is especially important because your body will only last so long out there. And then you have to figure out a way to make some passive income. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. I think the sooner you realize that you have a finite time out there in the field to do what you do will motivate you to get creative and think of ways to make passive income and ways to take the income you have made in the service industry and use it to make your money work for you. And that's what passive income really is. It's money that you make that you do very little work for. Right now you're doing a lot of work for your money. You're out there cleaning the pools, you're doing repairs, you're building up your business, your marketing, but later you want to be able to basically do nothing and make money and that's where the passive income comes in. Now, there's a lot of different ways to make passive income. If you put a lot of money in mutual funds and investments, you can get a pretty good return on that money if you have a pretty large nest egg. And I'm talking $1, $2 million invested over the course of 30 years would be something that you can draw every month on. And of course, the first thing you're thinking is, well, how am I going to have a million or $2 million invested in the market? And this is something that you do gradually over time. If you take the last 30 years, the average rate of return was 9.89%. Adjusted for inflation, it was about 7.3%. And so this is money you're putting in and it's growing. And then the way it compounds is that the more money you have in mutual funds or in different investments in the market, the more it grows. So, you know, you may start out the first year with maybe 15,000, but then you put another 15,000. Now you have 30,000 growing and then it kind of just compounds. It's kind of almost like that, you know, is it better to pay me? Is it better to get a penny a day and double it for 30 days or give me a million dollars? And if you double that penny every day, it compounds. And at the end of 30 days, that one penny is worth $5,368,709.12. And it's the power of compound interest. And that's why people like to put money in a Roth IRA. The reason why I would suggest a Roth IRA to start with is that you and your spouse can contribute into that. And then at the end, you can take that money out tax-free, which means that income is not taxed. So if you have a Roth IRA worth 300,000 in 30 years, all that money you draw out, you have to pay income taxes on versus a straight IRA or straight mutual fund investment, you pay taxes when you draw it out. The advantage, of course, is that you can get that money 
tax-free later. So if you wanted to buy yourself a new car and you take 40000 out, you would actually pay zero for that 40000 And I'll use my dad as an example. He has this money in a 401k. For many years, he worked for GTE, Verizon. And so he, he can't really draw the money out to buy something because then you pay taxes on it. That's considered income. So he actually had, had to finance a car for the first time in his life a couple of years ago. He's never had a car payment but it was more economical than to draw the money out and pay the, the government if you took 50, 40 or 50,000 out to buy a car. That's considered you're taking the money out and you have to report that as a 40 or 50,000 draw on your investment. So that's the advantage of the Roth IRA. And different, you know, you can, you can talk to a financial planner, of course, and he can set you up with all those investment accounts. But you should have some of that going on the side. It's a great way to have some passive income because of the compound interest and how. Your money kind of snowballs over time. Now there's ups and downs, and so that's one thing you have to think about. But generally, if you look at the 30-year, over 30 years, it has gone up almost 9% or 7% adjusted for inflation. And then you can do other things. There's other businesses that generate passive income. I know a pool guy that has coin laundries, and he has, I think, three of them now. And the coin laundry is a great way to make really good passive income because you just hire someone to maintain the machines. And then you would hire someone to, of course, collect the money and also run it for you. And this is pretty good. It's not completely passive because you have to do some hiring and some maintenance and things like that. But it's pretty close. In fact, I think the three most profitable or some of the most profitable businesses out there are coin laundries, check cashing places, and car washes. They have a pretty good profit margin on those businesses. And they're not completely passive but that's just some idea of maybe taking your money and then buying a different business that can be help run on the side that makes pretty good income. And of course, you can just reinvest in your pool company and grow it to where it's help run. And you're going to have to step in ever so often because things happen. So it won't be 100% self-run in the future, but it's going to be pretty self-run. You'll have a manager, maybe two or three route uh, persons and then if you have to step in and, and clean some pools or do some repairs here and there it's not a big deal it'll be more of a part-time kind of just stepping in type thing and you can do that you can set up your business to eventually be help run in the future where you're just kind of managing it in the background and collecting the money and you can do this indefinitely as long as you have the right management staff in place and the right employees and again it's not completely passive because you have to kind of manage it I think the only thing that's really passive is investing, putting your money in the market. Now, I wouldn't recommend individual stocks, by the way. I think that mathematically, you have a 97% chance of losing your money in individual stocks. You can look at like Tesla or Google, for example, that went down like 30 or 40%. I think Tesla went down like 70% last year. So this is a big loss if you have all your money and all, all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. So you want to spread it around. And I think Roth IRA invested. And, and if you meet with a financial planner, they'll they'll kind of take your, your risk temperature. So if you're someone who's averse to risk, they'll put your money in funds that are going to be kind of not earning as much, but not risky. And if you're not risk adverse, you can make a lot of money by them investing your money in more volatile funds. So there's different ways to look at it and different temperatures or temperaments of the investor. So don't be too scared of putting some money in the market because you can mitigate your risk by by investing in safe companies 
and a financial planner will help you with that. I think my main point is that you should have some kind of plan and thinking of what you're going to do with the income you're making in the industry. If you just squander it and do foolish things, you know, go on expensive, lavish vacations, buy fancy cars, never actually buy personal residence and rent for too long. You can definitely squander a lot of your profits and you don't want to do that. If you're renting, you should have a plan to purchase a house for yourself or purchase an investment property. And if you you can continue the rent, as long as you have some kind of income producing property on the other end. But if you're just straight renting and you have no plans to buy anything or do anything with the money, you're actually hurting yourself and you can't rent forever. So you have to plan on doing something or acquiring something that you can live in once you pay off the mortgage. I think at the minimum, your goal should be owning a house outright where you don't have any house payments so that you could just pay the property tax and insurance and live pretty modestly with no mortgage. So that should be your minimum plan is to have your house paid off by the time you retire or stop working. That would be my bare minimum plan, of course. And of course, you want to have a kind of a more master plan. I think there's a myth out there that if you're self-employed, you're not paying into Social Security, but you are. You're paying some money into Social Security, depending on how much money you're reporting as a profit. And then that will grow and you're going to get some Social Security. Hopefully, it'll still be around by the time you retire. But you can't really count on the government supporting you in your old age, something that you need to set up for yourself. And that's why I suggest you find some way to invest, talk to people, and get your you know, your investments set at a young age. I think real estate is the best. There are so many benefits of real estate. You have a good tax write-off with all the deductions. You have depreciation for 22 years. You have a lot of um, expenses you can write off. And you have tenants living in your property that are paying off your mortgage for you over the course of you renting it. And it's fairly passive. There Sometimes there's problems you have to address. But if you have a good team in place and you have a good plumber, electrician, handyman, you can address everything pretty easily. And if you screen your tenants correctly, you're not going to have any problem collecting the rent every month. And on the flip side of that, you, of course, will have the asset of the real estate investment property itself. So depending on which area you buy in, you may have some pretty good appreciation in the value. You may have no appreciation, but if your house is worth 300000 or 400000 once it's all paid off, you can sell that and you can get a pretty good cash amount of that money. And you can also get a 1031 exchange and just keep exchanging the properties and getting larger and larger properties without having to pay any taxes on the real estate because the government really wants to provide housing to people and they want you to provide housing. And that's why they have so many tax breaks for real estate investors, those that provide housing for people, get good breaks because the government can't provide housing for everyone. And it's up to the individual investor to do that. And so there's a lot of benefits for that. And I really think the biggest benefit that I see is that you have an asset that has tangible value. It has income. And if you wanted to sell that asset, you can get quite a lot of money. And it's always going to go up in every market because it goes up probably with the rate of inflation or close to that, sometimes a little bit less than that. But it's definitely going to go up. You know people that have bought their houses in your area for a fraction of what you bought your house for. I know that there's a lot of people in the older areas around me that paid 50000 or 40000 for their house. It's worth a million or more. 
So you can see that the appreciation of real estate is usually always going to go in an upward trajectory unless something weird is happening in the area you purchase a house in. So again, I think that's the best investment for your money. We just purchased the property uh, just last month and the interest rates weren't the best. But if you can get cash flow, and it's definitely possible if you get the right property with the right income, you can cover all the expenses and still make some money. It's much more difficult to do that because of the rates right now, but it's not impossible. You just have to kind of know what you're buying and you have to do the numbers correctly so that even with a higher rate, you can definitely have some cash flow with the property. And I expect things to kind of settle down and go back, not to where it was a year ago, but I think interest rates will definitely be going down eventually, maybe in the next year or two. And then the investors are going to come out and start buying everything. And another good thing about buying now when it's more expensive as far as the interest rates and the payment is that there's a zero competition for properties. And so you can get a pretty good deal from the seller if you find something distressed. And if you have to put some money in to fix it up, all that money you put in there is tax deductible. So the way I like to look at it is when I buy something and I have to put 40 or 50,000 into it to get it ready. I'd rather put that money into the real estate investment, get the tax deduction, because if I have 40 or 50,000 of income with no expenses to attach that to, the IRS is going to tax me for that. I'm going to, every $2,500 is another tax bracket. And so the money that I'm investing in the real estate that I purchase, that we purchase, really pays off because it will reduce my income. But I'm putting the money into something that I own. So it's a win-win. You're making your investment better. You're improving the property. And you're avoiding the taxes on the income that you would have if you didn't invest it or have the expense of that investment. And don't forget, for a rental property or investment property, you can deduct the property tax, the insurance, and the interest you pay the bank. And so if you have a pretty sizable income and you wanted to find a way to offset that and pay less taxes, then pay yourself by buying an investment property, deducting all of these expenses, and getting a good tax break from the IRS because you're providing housing to those in need. Keep in mind, if you do meet with a financial planner, they're going to be extremely against real estate investing and for you putting all your money in the market. I met with one one time, and I don't know if I mentioned this in, in the podcast, but he's like, oh, sell everything. You, you have so much real estate. Sell it all and put it all in the market. And and I had a, I have a client that lives in an apartment. He sold everything. So they're going to be leaning more towards putting money in the market versus real estate. But I went over a lot of the great benefits of real estate. I like looking at it like this. And again, you know, you put money in the bank. If you have cash in the bank, you're losing about 7% because of inflation. If you just report all your income and don't have any expenses or deductions from real estate, you're going to pay more in income taxes. And if you're paying the bank because the interest rates are higher and you're paying interest to the bank, but your tenants are covering that payment, you're really not losing any money to the bank. Your tenant's paying the mortgage down for you every month, every year, the mortgage is getting smaller. And the tenant's paying all of that for you. So I'd rather give my money to the bank in interest than the IRS and taxes. So it's kind of what's the better of two evils. You know, having the bank have these really nice buildings downtown and making a lot of money. Or having the government make a lot of money on your taxes because you have a lot of income. And then spending the money however they wish to spend it with you having no input. 
I'd rather give it to, you know, a private bank and let my tenants pay down the mortgage for me and call it a day at that point. But everyone has a different philosophy. I do think you should have a strong equity position in everything. So we put 25% down, sometimes 30% down on everything we purchase because you want to have a strong equity position, which means you don't want to have a huge debt-to-income ratio. We keep ours at about 70%. So we have 70% of our assets debt-free, and then we have 30% of our assets with debt. And this makes for a better balanced portfolio. And there's no rush to get a tenant. There's no emergencies because you don't have a huge burden of debt. So if you wanted to do something like this, I really recommend paying off your house first. That way you don't have a mortgage and you have very low risk. And then invest in the investment properties. And you can definitely get some good deals out there right now. And you want to have a strong equity position so that's how I we do real estate. You can do it differently, but I don't like having a huge amount of debt without having some cash available or some assets where I can get cash out of available. It's just me. I'm a very safe investor. There's people that are riskier and take bigger risks, but I'm at the age where I don't need to take those kind of risks. And I really would discourage you from taking risk in the stock market by buying single stocks because they can go down sharply and it may take you years to recover the money. I mean, if you're going to invest in anything, you should have a huge knowledge of what you're investing in. If you're going to invest in Bitcoin, you should be reading everything you can about that or any kind of investment that's kind of out there. And real estate, fortunately, there's a huge amount of resources out there. If you're interested in real estate, I think the best podcast would be Bigger Pockets, and they have a website. So Bigger Pockets would be my go-to podcast for real estate investing. And of course, if you are in the market, there's tons of podcast for investing in the market. But the bottom line, invest now, get some idea of what you're going to do with the money you're making and pick something. You can put your eggs in different baskets. Of course, you can have money in the market, money in real estate, money in a passive business like coin laundry or something of that nature. You can invest your money with a group of people in a fund. And there's lots of other ways of doing it that are pretty safe. Nothing is guaranteed, of course, when you invest. But the compound interest that I mentioned, if you get paid a penny a day and double it over 30 days, you have over $5 million. And so this is how you want to think. Take your profits now, invest it so that you're doubling, tripling, quadrupling your money. And later when you can't go out there and clean pools or run your route, you'll have some passive income coming in that will pay your bills while you're just sitting there reading a book or doing nothing or at the beach or on vacation. And I think this is what you need to build towards in your business now while you're making the money. If you're looking for other podcasts I've recorded, you can go to my website, swingprolearning.com. On the banner, click on the podcast icon. It'll take you to a drop-down menu of podcasts. And if you're interested in the coaching program, you can learn more at poolguycoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great week, and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.